Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I'll give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Asher. Asher began classical violin training at two years old. He has an accomplished career, but in 2014, a health challenge meant he had to rebuild his musicianship. I'm excited to hear more about Asher today and how his life has turned out the way it is and just good information. So thank you so much, Asher. Why don't you go ahead and tell the audience more about yourself? Sure, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Part of my voice. Um, try to make it through the interview here uh, without it kind of crapping out. But uh, yeah, long story short, I did start at the age of two on a little margarine box with rubber band serving as strings. And I moved through the Suzuki method over a period of maybe like 12 to 15 years. And as I grew, the instruments grew along with me. Uh, and uh, I wasn't really supposed to be a professional musician. I never had intended for it to be a career, uh, believe it or not, uh, since the age of even even as late as like 17 or 18 in high school. But uh, it just sort of fell into my lap as I moved to New York City. And um, I, I was looking for a way to, to bring in a side income. And I was fortunate enough to land a bunch of events, weddings and corporate events. And that sort of led to grew into this career as I worked my way through unrelated uh, degrees that I do not really, um, I don't use uh, today, except I guess the, the higher order critical thinking skills. I guess I could, I could give credit to that as far as the degrees. So then it wasn't, you know, the intention to go professional and musicianship, but you obviously did take lessons. So what sort of training do you have in the world of music? Yeah. So <clears throat> private training since the age of two, um, pretty intensive private, private training along with live performances since the age of three, four, <laughs> um, and with orchestras and kind of NISMA competitions all the way up to high school. And then in college, I took courses in music, um, sort of as an add-on to my my other degrees. And and then I I have to say, in the world of improv, which is largely what I do today, because I'm not spending a lot of my time sight reading, although I do on occasion with like string quartets. I I find that I I have to give credit entirely to my career since 2001 i've learned every like most of what i know today um improv just just on the job um observing other other incredible musicians and jazz musicians and um club date you know performers and saxophonist wind section i've just sort of brought in my knowledge sort of from a variety of different instruments and um musicians yeah not just from the classical uh, string musicians. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. And I and I will get back to that. But since you started violin at such a young age, and it wasn't originally going to be your career path, was there any point when you wanted to stop playing? Oh, yeah, throughout my entire <laughs> those two decades that I was playing, I wanted to stop. Because honestly, it wasn't the cool thing to do. Uh, I'm holding up my fingers in quotes for those of you who aren't watching the video that 
I guess the video doesn't exist. Um, it, it like middle school is like okay, bearable. At high school is pretty difficult to be in the orchestra when you kind of want it to be in the jazz band or the rock band or then you know or on the football you know uh, uh, league or whatever. Um, in retrospect, I'm really I'm thrilled that I that I went through those painful years uh, because I developed the skills that have carried me through today. However, um, so yeah, I just, <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear as people learn music from such a young age, do they want to stick with it? Are they feeling like it's a chore or something? And for you, you know, societal peer pressure is definitely, um, a thing that, that young kids and young adults go through. It's a waste of thought, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself for even caring. Um, and if I had cared less, I probably would have been able to focus more on the things that mattered, such as building my skills. <clears throat> Although I have to say that by 11th, 12th grade, I sort of came into my own um, as I did a couple of professional corporate gigs. And then I started to see the potential and just the skills I built over many years as a violinist. Mm-hmm. And so you've talked about improv and, you know, in school wanting to like be in the jazz band. And I think when people think about the violin and orchestral instruments, they do tend to lean to that classical setting. You're playing Mozart, you're playing Beethoven. So what is it that got you into improv and how is your musicianship different than the classical world that people might think of? Yeah. uh, Well, it wasn't my teachers. Um, and I went through about seven of them over the span of like two decades. Um, and I asked them to teach me improv and they just didn't like Scott Joplin, uh, not Janis Joplin, Scott Joplin, basically ragtime, uh, was the closest I got to improv and that was sight reading Scott Joplin. So it's like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Like, this is not what I was looking for, but, uh, the improv started when I was just when I uh, connected with some bandmates, um, keyboardist, drummer, guitarist, and, and I was just able to sort of play along with the musicians. And, and I realized that there was potential there uh, to, to kind of branch out in a unique way as a performer, as a violinist, as an electric violinist, because I had to amplify my instrument. Um, so once, once I moved to New York for university, uh, I, you know, I went to, I started by sitting in a couple times at one of these, like one of these events. And, uh, I think it was on the West side of Manhattan and, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the, the name of the venue. I'll remember in a minute, but, uh, they, I was required to bring in a preamp, uh, so, so that, and, and then a pickup. So I, I just sort of learned very quickly on the job and I realized that, you know, they were giving me a place on stage. So I, it was, it was kind of a no brainer. I spent time practicing over just pop music uh, at home, um, at home. My home was a dorm <laughs> in the dorms and, uh, and on the job, I actually was a little bit timid for, I would say for at least for the first year, because these musicians had like toured with Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, like all these heavy hitters. And, uh, but, but I, but you know, they were, they're giving me compliments and encouragement. And I just felt really good at the end of the day, like going home with a paycheck and, uh, I just, 
I felt like, okay, I, this, I hadn't spent my childhood learning to improv, but I had the skills of classical um, and sight reading. So I just sort of married that with improv and, and I was able to distinguish myself. And so what was it that you were going to school for and originally intended to have a career in? Uh, I was practical minded. So uh, biology, um, I went to education. I taught in the DOE. Speaking of your show, which relates to diversity, I taught in the South Bronx. Uh, wonderful kids um, for four years in uh, the middle school level, the high school level, uh, mostly black and Hispanic uh, kids from under resourced neighborhoods. And honestly, I have to say, I love them dearly. And I kind of regret having left, except it was more like the, the politics that I just, I didn't want to have to deal with anymore. So I left. Um, so yeah, so, so NY, I have a degree from NYU in uh, science education. And that was obviously the precursor to teaching the DOE and then a nursing degree also from NYU. And uh, I can't tell you, I've, I, the number of events I've done for like corporate events and fundraising events for, for medical related, like, um, for hospitals and, and just like pharmaceutical companies and just the medical indu industrial complex, if that's what you call it. Uh, but as a musician, not as a nurse. So funny coincidence, probably not a coincidence at all, but. Right. You, you know, you know what they're going through in, in some sense. So then what was the like pivotal point that you switched and said, I can do musicianship full time? Uh, it, it really wasn't, a, um, there wasn't a moment of, there wasn't an aha moment because it happened very gradually where I was playing part, I was playing part time, like once a week, maybe four times a month. And then it just sort of increased as I had more time and I didn't have to study for exams. And then as I was as I reached a point, I guess you could say, as I graduated from nursing school, I had, I was studying for NCLEX and like the, and I had a house at that point, a family. So I had big, like big time bills in Long Island. So I needed quick cash and on, and strangely enough, um, you know, music was, was paying my bills. So it's very strange. I have a very strange, uh, uh, circuitous route to this career. Um, it was a lot, it was kind of, it was a tense moment where I was sort of choosing between two races and I realized I couldn't run two races at the same time. I used to run one and I kind of gave it up and I just went for, for music, putting, putting nursing on the, as a, a back burner on the back burner. And, and I just, I haven't stopped since I, um, since I started doing music full time at that point after having graduated and collected all those degrees. So, and you know, sometimes that's uh, how life works out. So what was it like now with two people, but for me, yes. Uh, so what was it like setting yourself up as a musician full time, like in the world of you need to pay taxes on your musical income and not just like, <clears throat> oh, I got some side cash from playing at a wedding. Yeah. Uh, so I have, I probably have too much to say about that <laughs> considering, considering the state of my throat. Um, since you mentioned taxes, that's like a real trigger for me because it's tax season and we just got our W-2s and 1099s. And that's why we probably mentioned it. Mm -hmm. um, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out how to, how to streamline this incredibly unnecessarily complex tax process for an, a freelance independent musician 
who's got to like, who's got to like, I don't have a W-2. Like it was so easy when I was a teacher, you know, in nursing, like when you work for a hospital, you just have a W-2, you submit it to your accountant. I'm bringing in my, I have so many different streams of income and I have to declare them and I can't screw it up. Otherwise I get fines. Like I get audited and you know how it works. Um, so I have to properly categorize thousands of items and I had to do it on autopilot. So it's taken me a couple of years. I start, I almost lost my mind and I, I just finally sat down for the last three weeks in between gigs and like productions and performances and, and, and releasing music videos. And it's been a tough month, but I've been focused on uh, queries, PowerPoint queries, pivot tables, I'm synchronizing all my data sheet, my, my credit card sheets and then macro programs. Like I've had to become a programmer because I can't, I, it's not even something I could farm out to other people because they don't understand what I do. They don't know how to categorize things properly. V lookups. I mean, I could just talk about this forever. And frankly, I think I might run a course because even all the videos that I watched online didn't like, didn't inform what I now know <laughs> after three weeks of like, I don't know, just um, working pretty hard to acquire this knowledge, but now I finally figured it out. So yeah, that's the tax bit. I just wanted to share. Glad I got that off my chest. And what was the other thing? <laughs> um, the complexity of being a freelancer. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'm honestly not sure if I asked much beyond the whole like tax side of it, but yeah, I think that like setting yourself up as a freelancer, working for yourself. And of course, with that comes all of the tax implications. Right. So when you're a freelancer, you're working for like 10 different companies or businesses, and then you have like 30 different clients and you have 200 gigs a year, and then you're earning streaming income from Spotify and iTunes. And then um, just the list is endless um, when you have multiple streams of income. Uh, it's really important to be in order to earn full income, uh, full time living the way I do. And this probably apply, applies to any freelancer, regardless of music or being a violinist. Um, you have to keep you have to know how to properly deduct uh, so that the, the IRS, first of all, you don't get fined by the IRS. And also so that you you categorize things properly uh, so that you, again, get the deductions that you deserve and that, that you need. Um and then you you file that away so your accountant um, knows how to how to submit whatever to the IRS. Um, so collecting every bit of data possible, I would say, is a prerequisite to being successful as a free, as a full time freelance musician. Um, so in in addition to the to the two hundred events that I record, I, I I that I record in my excel charts i'm also recording like where when how much i charge because i because i have different people calling me throughout like i'll have i'll have a client call me you know today for a gig um for a similar type of gig that he called me for in 2017 and then i have to factor in inflation and i have to know i have to understand okay how much more am i supposed to be charging um without without losing the job so that's like one of many examples where i'm sort of playing I'm wearing many hats. Like I have to know how to quote for myself as somebody who wants to control my own income and my freelance journey and not depend on a manager who controls everything for me. Um, you know, that's just like one of many things I have to know how to navigate steer. Uh, what else? I'm throwing a lot at you here. Um, I have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a lot of different cogs in the wheel. 
you mentioned a family. Is your family at all involved in any of the like music business? I was going to mention expenses as, as much more even complex than just listing 200 gigs, but they are actually sometimes uh, involved like because they sort of live vicariously through me, through my performances, through my music releases. I run them by, uh, I, I run my music videos and songs by them before I release it to, to the fans. Uh, so they, yeah, they're very much involved in that regard. I mean, other times they, they, they don't want to be bothered. So, but, but, uh, I, 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 I find it, I think it's important. Um, I don't want to release music that I want to release music that, uh, as many people as possible, regardless of age or, you know, uh, cultural background or religion. Um, I want it to appeal to the masses. So that's, that's what I try to do. And, uh, it starts with my family and if, if they don't like it, then I got to ditch it. <laughs> so. And so are you then writing some of your own music? Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have two and a half albums out. Um, one is the Neon Dreams album. It's an unreleased album because I haven't figured out what to do with it, but all the songs are on Spotify. They've been public for like years. Um, the older ones like Neon Dreams, like three years old, but Redemption has just been out for like a month. That's the most recent release. And that's actually me- that is paired with my first 3d animation Pixar type music video, which is, which is on YouTube. And, uh, up until now, up until redemption, it, I, it was all the music videos were always featuring me on violin. I'm not in there. Uh, there's no violinist. It's just, it's a narrative that I happen to feel is relevant to a lot of people these days. And I'll, I'll, uh, allow your listeners to check it out. And it's, it's pretty clear what the, what the message is. Um, but it, it was, it was something that would have been too difficult for me to kind of share the, um, playing violin. So that's why I kind of made it a Pixar movie type thing. Uh, so yeah, so two albums, <laughs> um, and, and the first album is a covers album. So there's like 12 cover songs, pop, pop instrumental songs, the Neon Dreams original album, which is also, first of all, on all major platforms as singles, is also on astrolab.com. Uh, you can also download it from there. Um, but it is not published as an album. That's what I mean. Like it hasn't been released. That's all original music. Um, and then I have a third album that's half, that's like six songs in, that's a violin covers too. So, and then I have a classical album, and then I have. Another album, which is unreleased, um, which you can check out on astrolab.com sync, which I'm reserving for film and movies and stuff like that. So I'm not releasing it until I have eight songs right now. There's like three or four. Um, so that's, what's going on with that. So it sounds like you've got a lot going on with, uh, publishing and streaming and creating and all of that, but you're also still performing a lot. So what is kind of like. I don't want to use the word typical because it's I, I feel like as a musician, there might not be like a typical week or month, but what does like a year look like for you in music? And are you focusing on performing? Do you always take performing gigs or do you have to like allow for this time to for all of the other creative endeavors? Uh, so what I do and what I want to do are a little bit different, unfortunately. Uh, 
I, what I, this is what I want to do. Uh, world, if you're listening, <laughs> I, 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 if anybody cares out there, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I, I will eventually maybe this year, uh, succeed in saying no to two thirds of the gigs that come my way and focus on the stuff behind me, which nobody sees. Uh, it's, it's my studio where I produce symphonies and uh, EDM classical type music and music for film. That's what I love doing songs like redemption, like neon dreams, um, but in greater quantity and focus more on the film income, uh, the sync licensing income. Um, if, but, but at the moment, uh, a typical year looks like anywhere from 175 to like 215 some odd live events, which include corporate weddings, concerts. Some concerts are really small. Some are, some are huge. Like I guess everything's relative. What's huge. Huge is like 50,000 50, people. Like huge would be like for me, 6,000 people. Um, and like paired with other big names. Um, so I'm doing a lot of different things. I'm doing some studio sessions. Uh, like I mentioned, my, my income is very diverse and that's why I have to keep track of all the, the expenses, which are insane. They're insane. Uh, when, when you look at the books uh, and the tables, the tables, it's a little overwhelming. Uh, and yeah, that's so, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. Um, you know, the, the goal to where you want to be as a musician, you know, it, ta it takes time to get there, but since you're, it is full time for you, that is obviously a step in that direction. So where have your more interesting performances taken you? Uh, to Hawaii, uh, Maui. Uh, that was pretty cool. I got to say, can't complain about stuff like that. Um, to Europe um, and to Israel, uh, Middle East. I would not, I don't think I'd go there now, but um, considering this, I'm saying the circumstances, but yeah, so like the Middle East, uh, uh, Europe, North, you know, Canada, all over the country. Um, I would say my most frequent out of town gigs used to be Los Angeles. I used to go to, I used to play in Beverly Hills and, um, Malibu and like all over LA. Um, I used to fly back and forth like every other week. And then I, and then I got old, to be honest, it just got really tiring. Um, as much as like, it's funny. I was bright eyed, bushy tail for the first 10 years. I was like, wow, I'm in LA and Beverly Hills. And then it's just, um, and then I have a family and that I got old and crotchety and realized <laughs> I wanted to sit here. Uh, this is what I really love to do is just kind of produce music. So did I digress or did I answer your question? <laughs> uh, you answered, you answered the question with travel all over the place. Yeah. With these places that you've gotten to go to maybe outside of LA and Beverly Hills, um, was that mostly through group performances or were you doing some solo stuff? So in Cal in California, I used to do a lot of group performances, like maybe uh, 15 to 25 piece uh, productions. And they, I guess that most of them were LA based, but they flew me out. And sometimes other people from New York would usually using me. Um, I did some individual stuff like, you know, I do Bollywood events and getaway vacations and, uh, some concerts, like I mentioned, weddings, corporate events, like in Texas and North Carolina and just like really all over the place. 
I haven't been to every state, but uh, I try to stay. Honestly, I try to these days. I try to stay local just for my family, like tri-state, New Jersey, New York, uh, Connecticut, as much as possible. Um, but to answer your question, your original question, I I travel a lot by myself. It can get lonely, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, on occasion with bands. But uh, but I would say most of the traveling now is is myself because because I, I I sort of fill a specific niche as a DJ violinist. So I play along with tracks and I um, like custom, custom music. Um, so people can sort of fly me out without having to deal with the expense of a drummer, keyboardist, uh, whatever, and five other wind instruments. Uh, they can sort of keep them local and then, and then they'll just bring, bring me out sometimes and I won't play with tracks. I'll play with the local bands. I don't know. I just, I don't know why it is that way, but maybe it's the way that I market myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I guess I could ask how common is like people doing the performing that you're doing? Uh, I'm noticing that it's more and more common. I thought I was the only one in the world. Um, like five, six years ago, there was like three other people that I used to see. And now I'm seeing more and more DJ violinists, uh, strolling violinist. Not when I say strolling, like it's a whole setup, like electric violin, wireless unit going into a, a sound system, a mixer, um, which also contains custom tracks, which pertain to client requests or concert requests, whatever. So that's what I mean by strolling electric violinist. Um, I've no, I've noticed there's like an increasing a number by the year i'm sure there are many many hundreds of them now just in north america alone um and i think that's a good thing because because uh, the whole dj violin connection like having a dedicated dj and then a violinist working with the dj um it's just become a very i've noticed that that's become more and more common saxophonists also working with djs um i think because violinists don't really uh, this is my theory um that that uh violinists generally are they they're sort of absorbed into a large band and they're sort of part of the band or part of the string section i think that a lot of the electric violinists like myself that are working with djs they kind of want to be the front man (laughs) so uh i think that's a reflection of my music my violin is the fr- i'm the front man in in the violin that is the soloist there's no vocalist so that's largely reflected in the live performances yeah no that makes a lot of sense now are you currently regularly playing with any groups um i, I might do like 15 20 performances a year with some of the same groups um out of the maybe 200 and that'll do maybe like I don't know, 30% by myself, it, it, it fluctuates uh, year by year, but I, I like it that way. The, the variety is, is nice. I get too burnt out with any one type of performance. Right. And did you ever consider switching instruments? Yeah. Many times uh, throughout high school, I, what I was actually mentioning before, uh, when I was sort of embarrassed to play the violin, I wanted to play the guitar, the drums and keyboard. And I actually picked up those instruments and played them professionally briefly in college. Um, during, during my, I'm saying my four years, years as an undergrad. Um, but, but I, I, there's a million, um, of those, uh, there's a million other musicians that are way better than me. 
uh, in those instruments. So I just sort of stuck to what I was really good at. And that's why I stick with the violin. Right. Of course. Now in the intro, I mentioned a health scare in 2014 um, and kind of having to like change some things. So would you be willing to talk about that experience and what the difference is between like before and after? Yeah. Um, well, the differences before was me being a, a, a me being a vegetable. Um, and after me being a fully functioning human being, uh, I was, I was diagnosed with an adrenal, uh, a adrenal insufficiency, uh, a condition that is, uh, I wouldn't wish upon anybody, a uh, very serious condition. I was on permanent dosage of Cortef, just steroid. Um, I got off of it. Um, and I emphasize permanent cause I was not supposed to be able to get off of it. Um, but I went through alternative methods and I thankfully over a period of a year recovered about a year, a little more. Um, so yeah. And once, once I did recover, I, 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 with a lot of, which with much relief went back into the music industry. Um, prior to that, I was just, I just kept getting progressively weaker. Um, five years prior to that, I was diagnosed with an inflammatory, um, a, a, like a global, um, chronic inflammatory condition. And that was, they just couldn't explain it <clears throat> and could have been environmental, whatever. And that sort of progressed to this, uh, this adrenal situation, which is pretty scary. So, um, you know, I manage it very carefully and, uh, I've been doing pretty well, uh, for the last 10 years or so. And so do you have to like take any extra precautions that, you know, something could flare back up or you've been doing well for the past decade? Yeah. Occasionally, occasionally I get flare ups that, that are big scares for me, but because I know my body really well and I avoid certain triggers, uh, like toxins, things that like, I can't sit in a room with, with smokers. Uh, it just, it, it just, it knocks me out. Like not, you know, my blood pressure, <laughs> it's everything. It's just a mess. Um, and I just know how to manage it, uh, in a pretty professional way. I mean, it helps to have a nursing degree also. Like I know the signs and the symptoms and, um, I kind of, uh, and you have to, cause like as a live performer, you can't screw things up and have like a thousand people waiting for, um, you just can't, there, there's no, there's no room for, for misses. Um, welcome to my life. Have you ever had a point when like you were supposed to be performing that you have had a health scare or like needed to cancel something? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually been pretty reliable, um, considering I, I'm trying to remember when I've ever had to cancel. I mean, when I, when I, I canceled some, some flights to California, um, when I was bedridden, <laughs> like, so naturally I'm not gonna be able to, you know, go out there for that. And there's a period where I was, I was on, where I was on crutches or I thought I would be able to get better. I, I didn't, but since then, since I got out of that wheelchair, I can't think of any times that I had to cancel. Um, I have to think hard. I, I can't surprisingly can't think of, of, I'd have to think about it. I don't, I don't think so, but, um, but there have been moments where I've had scares like towards the beginning, uh, where I would just, I would start to get, to get really lightheaded. Um, my blood pressure, you know, my, my blood pressure would drop and, um, 
you know, it's, it's one thing to have like an anxiety situation or an anxiety disorder where you have those symptoms. It's another thing to have, um, a, a, to have a, a serious condition, like not producing enough cortisol. Uh, and that's 10 times scarier because you could die. Um, and that, that period of that year was probably the scariest for me because I just didn't know how much I could handle even like lifting a case to a gig. But thank God I've been, um, I've been pretty good, pretty smooth sailing. Good. That's good to hear. Yeah. And speaking of canceling, what was 2020 like for you? Um, it was bizarre. It was, it was, uh, the, the twilight zone as it was for, I think you and probably everybody else. Uh, and my income dropped precipitously, but I did still earn an income. Um, I just sort of came through other ven like, uh, through other media, I guess, through, um, I, you know, I was earning from posting on social media, royalties, streaming, um, remote projects, those types of things. And I was doing some, uh, some other, uh, like via, like remote violin performances that that paid some bills, <laughs> but uh, I got I was that close to moving back to to getting a job in nursing. But my wife said, "Not with your condition. Yeah, I'm not going to expose you to uh, to COVID in such large numbers." Um, and it was hell for all the nurses out there. And so, to be honest, I kind of at that point in 2020 felt like I had made the right decision to move to music, even though financially it would not it was not the best thing for us yes yeah i mean it's definitely something where a lot of things had to change in that time um it sounds like you were able to make it work um which is good to hear because i know that um you know the arts definitely took a hit and are are probably still different in some ways yeah yeah uh the the arts uh broadway i mean uh, people, a lot of people quit permanently. Um, people who are successful musicians and DJs, they quit. Uh, they went to, you know, other, <clears throat> other professions. And I just stuck with it because I'm a stubborn bull. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I think it's great that you, you stuck with it, even though it wasn't the original intention. Um, I think it, it says a lot about, you know, your, what you know you desire to do and and what that's doing for you yeah I, my my philosophy is probably due to the not necessarily the most practical but um it's largely you know life it's pretty short and i i kind of want to bring my best and i think that this is the career where i can bring my best and be the happiest and feel the most fulfilled and feel like okay uh, at the end of my life, like I did something I really enjoyed. I didn't just like, I don't know, do the nine to five that paid for my retirement uh, a little bit better. You know, I, I, I guess I, I've been willing to take the risk. So I continue to do that. Yeah. So now you were willing to take the risk. Um, it can be very difficult to do music full time. It wasn't the original plan. Was there ever any kickback from your family to say, like, why are you doing this when you just got a nursing degree? Yeah, everybody was like, like, I knew everybody was disappointed. I mean, they give me they gave me their support. Um, they 
you know, they obviously un- understood and understand that I'm an adult and I make adult my my own decisions. Um, I'm sh- I know that they did not agree with with what I had done, um, but my wife supported me pretty much a long, a long whole way, and she actually uh, is one of the main reasons why why I didn't give up the music career uh, and continue to do it full time. If, if I didn't have her blessing, I, I probably would have been back in nursing or something like that. And is your wife musical at all? She loves listening to music, but she's a professor. And speaking of diversity, uh, she's a professor of, of uh, well-published author in diversity related topics. Um, so a little bit of coincidence there. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think it's it's great that someone who's not in the music world supported you like so much to say like, yes, continue to do this and um, pursue that since it can there can be a big stigma around pursuing performing arts as a career. Yeah, and uh, she just wanted me to be happy. <clears throat> she didn't want me to come home like unhappy, miserable every day or stressed or whatever. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough running, you know, running this ship, but it's, I find a lot of joy in the process. You mentioned how, um, you know, the, the production aspect doing that sort of work is the goal more full time. So is that what you find the most joy in musically? Um, yeah, for the I would say on average, um, <clears throat> producing music that I can be really proud of, uh, I find that to be more enjoyable than doing a networking event or a corporate event or even a wedding, as joyous as that is. Um, maybe I would say a concert, concerts where people are really like focused on the music would be sort of in line with um, the joy that I get out of producing music. So. Now, before I start to wrap things up, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners today? Um, I, I guess thanks for listening to my blather <laughs> for 45 minutes. Um, I, I guess uh, for any aspiring musicians out there um, or anybody considering trying to do something out there, they, they are part-time earning an income. Uh, I guess wait weigh the pros and cons, you know, or do you think that there's a possibility of paying, you know, being able to pay the bills if you're, you're able to, if you end up running that one race, which is part-time now and, uh, consider taking a little bit of a risk if it makes you happy, if not, you know, stick to what you're doing. Um, definitely some good advice there. Now, as I mentioned before we started recording, I do ask all my guests a random question. So my question for you is what is your go-to drink? Um, yeah, it's going to disappoint everybody. Fiji water. <laughs> that's all I got. Sorry. Um, I can't No, but that, but that's like a medical thing. Like I, I am actually prohibited from drinking any sort of sugar water or anything with that's highly sweetened. It's, it's uh contraindicated very much with, with my condition. So stick with water.
All right, that brings this episode to a close. Of course, if you would like to connect with Asher and check out his music, his website will be in the description. So that brings you to all of his social media, his YouTube, Spotify. You know, he mentioned his music is out there on all the platforms. So feel free to go check all of that out and connect with him. And if you would like to connect with the podcast, our website is in the description. That brings you to all of our past episodes, past resources, our social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So if you want to support those pages and go follow, that is always appreciated. If you'd like to support the podcast monetarily, there is a link to do that as well. And if you would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, my email is in the description. That is always the best way to reach me. So thank you so much to Asher for spending time with me today, especially as he has a sore throat. So I'm grateful for him getting through the interview and sharing his story. And to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for having me, Sarah.